you're listening to the Football Retreat Podcast on the After Hours Podcast Network. Be sure to check out our Instagram at After Hours Network for more awesome podcasts. talked in a bit we've all been kind of busy there's been tons of news coming out we had the champions league games coming up we had some fun premier league games coming up everton only lost 2-0 to manchester city that's not that bad i'm pretty stoked about it and uh yeah so we have a lot of stuff to talk about um and not to take the spotlight from you guys but i I, you know i already told you guys what happened i want to explain it to our listeners you know in depth and such um, but long, so, uh, for everyone listening, the LA galaxy does a kind of like, a, um, a merchandise sale like every year. Okay. But the merchandise that is being sold is player worn. So it's like maybe stuff that they've trained in, maybe stuff that they've played in. Uh, it, it varies. Now, uh, most of the time it's from like reserve players or, you know, players from the galaxy too, stuff like that. Um, which is, you know, it's pretty cool still. Like, you're getting awesome quality stuff. It's not too expensive. It's awesome that they do this. But usually, like, the big players, like, you're not going to find stuff from Zlatan or Robbie Keane or Beckham or anything like that. It's, it's all usually, like, the smaller players. Um, so while I was shopping, I got, like, a shirt. I got all that stuff. And then my buddy Eric, shout out to Eric. He's a blessing. I love him. He, he like, just shows me some cleats, and I check him out. And I'm like, are you going to buy them? He's like, oh, no, no, no. You, like, they're Steven Gerrard's. Like, he wore these, you know, to train. Like, you should buy them. So I was like, oh, sick. So I buy them. I'm super stoked. I got some trainers uh, that Steven Gerrard wore. I, I, I'm on cloud nine. I'm really excited. So after I go home, uh, I do some research, and it turns out that the cleats were actually game-worn. They weren't just trainers. He actually wore them during games, which I think is insane, just to have like that the cleats worn by Steven Gerrard. Like, that in itself is amazing. Um, but it gets a little bit more insane because the more research I did, the more I started to uh, understand how important these cleats were. Uh, during Steven Gerrard's last home game with the LA Galaxy, and the last home game like in general, he was wearing these cleats. Um, the only part of the mystery I can't solve is if he wore these cleats in his last game as a professional player. Um, the, as, you, as some of you know that listen to this, uh, the LA Galaxy in 2016 got kicked, kicked out of the playoffs um, from Colorado Rapids from penalties. Um, it, it sucked, obviously. And Steven Gerrard got subbed in uh, in the second half. I, I, I watched the entire like second half just to see if I can see the cleats Steven Gerrard was wearing, and I couldn't see it. And it killed me. It kills me because I don't know. Uh, I reached out to the Colorado Rapids subreddit and I got some information for the station that airs those games to try to help me out to see what's up. I also reached out to somebody at the LA Galaxy and they're going to help me get a certificate of authenticity um, for the cleats. 
So it's it's kind of crazy how this happened. The cleats were five dollars. I give Eric all the credit for finding them. You know that's awesome. And him and I are talking about what we want to do about the cleats. Um, but you know, if I'm speaking out loud, and I want you guys to weigh in on this, I know Chris and I talked about it. Um, I I don't think that these cleats sitting on a bookshelf getting dusty is how like they should go. I think that if it's this relevant, it's even if you know it's his last season, even though he didn't do much with the galaxy, I think that it's important that these are taken care of in the correct light. So you guys weigh in on that. What do you guys think? I mean, I I think with like oh, hi everybody by the way yes <laughs> after my after my sickness even though I'm mentally unstable at the moment because of the rubbish I had to watch earlier on. Um, but I think JB in terms of football memorabilia, it's interesting because you think like obviously uh, you know you we know each other through Disney and Disney is such a massive part of our lives. And Disney have the the Disney archive, mm-hmm. and it's like the Disney archive itself was started in what nineteen, the nineteen mid nineteen fifties, and uh, you know at that stage Disney was thirty years old. But whenever you think about it, football doesn't really have as much of a a memorabilia piece like like Disney does in the sense that there's not really a there's a national there's a national history um, football museum mm-hmm. um in Manchester which is really good. But it doesn't have, and every every club has their own has their own memorabilia. But there's no sort of care I feel for the level of memorabilia that you know things like that that they yeah. that have a story. And every pair of boots has a story, and every football has a story, and every shirt has a story. And you know, there's a really good example of um of like of a of where like football memorabilia tells a story in terms of the um classic football shirts so classic football shirts for anybody that doesn't know is essentially it's a it's a store that's dedicated to selling football shirts not not much one or anything like that but football shirts from from you know five years ago last season 15 years ago they're unbelievable store that was started by a couple of guys that went to union of manchester um but in terms of the pair of boots you've got jb i think that you know Steven Gerrard is Steven Gerrard's not just a football legend, not not just a wonderful footballer, but he's also a cultural icon for one of the biggest, one of the most culturally impactful cities in Europe. Yeah. So certainly, I agree with you that I think that the purpose that you've got, they they maybe they maybe are trans they maybe transcending more than just football. Mm-hmm. Um, and in general, memorabilia like that, I think that we don't really. Do, I don't I don't know what you think, Sam, but especially over here, I just think there's so many pairs of boots like that and so many shirts like that that we don't really tell their story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think, well, first of all, anything Stephen Gerrard related should be just enshrined into history and just <laughs> have its own building and everything. Um, but that's spoken <laughs> from a very biased Liverpool fan. Um, but no, Chris, Chris is right. Uh, the memorabilia side of things is, and with Gerard being in the topic, you know, his his final ever Anfield game, I think he he had a specific set of boots that Adidas had made for him um, for that game. And I think he I think he maybe donated them to charity and they made an absolute fortune from it. So you get that kind of thing um, mm-hmm. where players, clubs will donate signed shirts, match-worn shirts, things like that that mean so much. But 
I think it's just a very cultural thing. I just don't think it's. I think sport memorabilia in America is a bit bigger. You know, you always hear about like the the NFL and the the Super Bowl rings and stuff like that, and they're worth massive amounts of money. Mm-hmm. With football or soccer as it is, um, I don't think it has the same sort of pull, and I don't quite know why. I just don't think it's really maybe had an impact or people feel an impact to it because they're so so closely involved with a game that's. You know, especially like this season where you've got two free games a week. You're not, you know, what boots somebody's wearing is only interesting for the first 10 minutes. You know, like, for example, yeah. watching the Liverpool game the other day and Thiago, he must be considering leaving Nike because he had knew he was wearing different Adidas the other day. And I noticed it. And after 10 minutes, I completely forgot. So, yeah, I think as well, it's, like, it, it's the difference in terms of just even cultural things. Like, I think that because of because of what American culture is so embedded in is like television and uh, cinema and and sport as a result as well. Uh, you know, because it's such a young country, that's that's the history itself. But there's also a sense of nostalgia that those um that those pieces of work have for them. Whereas it's just because there probably are so many examples. And you know, entertainment isn't at the isn't always at the core focus of British society. Um, I just don't think that we pay as much of attention yeah. as I you know would like. And I guess like if you look at you know, I'm trying to think of like if you walk down the Hollywood Star um Walk of Walk of Fame, isn't that what's called the yeah. Star Walk of Fame? Yeah, yeah. Like even those things, like that's a that's you know paying homage to the to actors in a way that is pure and utter nostalgia and the stars themselves are there and you know things like hall of fame in the wwe or hall of fame in the nfl that there's an awful lot more of a respect for what's previously gone before and whereas i think with like british society i think that especially in terms of football everyone has an opinion but everyone feels the need to have an opinion that has to be negative or positive there's no just generic respect for what's yeah. gone before in my I feel. Um, you know, I like the fact that I'm such a massive United fan, I can come on here and I can say that Stephen Gerrard has such a, a massive impact on the sport. And there's it's very rare, I think, Johnny, that you'd find a the level of respect for sporting individuals in Britain. Yeah. That that is to the same extent that you have in in um in the States. And to be fair, something I have to like nail in is that like i've always been crazy about like sports memorabilia i've always like collected it and stuff so it's like i know that a big part of it's a me thing uh but i think another big part of it that's surprising to me about what you say because like i i I totally believe you um like i i it's not it doesn't surprise me at all but what surprises me about it is that you guys like over there are so passionate about the sport you know and it's so crazy like you know it's so crazy that like something like this you know, maybe like people wouldn't like, I guess, like freak out about over there. I guess, does that make sense? Yeah, I and I think it's not even the case of um, what we. I, I think it's just a case of like, like I said, because it is such a passion. But with passion breeds negativity. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's a good. Point. And that's just, I just, I just think that people would look at and say, "Oh, look, we've got Stephen Jarrod's last ever pair of boots that he wore in his like last professional game." Oh, but he's no Paul scores. Oh yeah, yeah. Then, or 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 like <laughs> you know I mean? yeah, or like oh, he wore this in his last game for a team that he sucked on. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, here, here. Stephen Gerrard bashing here, guys. Jesus. But it's different though, like especially with you know, you compared to the NFL and the Hall of Fame, especially with how Americans get on. The NFL, for example, is a very American thing. There's not many foreign players. I mean, I might be completely wrong, but as far as I'm aware, where you look at the Premier League and you look at, for example, the Liverpool team, the Manchester United team, there's a handful of actual English born and bred players. You know, there is a lot in the youth system. Mm-hmm. But once you get to the first yeah. team, your superstars tend to be like your Mohamed Salah, your Bruno Fernandes. You know, they're not from England. And if you look at Liverpool, for example, we've had, you know, Fernando Torres, who his best parts of his career were the few years at Liverpool. But he was only there for so long. He never, he never won a trophy. Like, so did he want Fernando Torres' boots? Or is somebody, as Chris said, the negative the Chelsea fans would go, yeah, well, he won the Champions League with us. And you'd be like, yeah, okay, fair enough. But he was terrible for you. He was brilliant for us. Yeah. Kind of thing, you know, Luis Suarez, things like that. So I genuinely think for memorabilia, it's a personal thing. If you're really into it, then fair enough. Oh, yeah. I think for me, for example, I wouldn't be massively into it. But if it's the likes of Stephen Gerrard, you know, I have a signed Stephen Gerrard shirt on the way up my stairs in my yeah. room. You know, it's things like that to me. That, would, But I wouldn't rush to get a signed shirt or signed boots from any yeah, no, other yeah. players. There's the odd ones, but obviously, but for the likes of yourself, that's... And I think as well, for with being an LA Galaxy fan, it's, you know, you want those those big names, you know, you've had your Steven Gerrard, your David Beckham, your Robbie Keane, and it means that wee bit more because it's an up-and-coming league and an up-and-coming team and all that kind of thing. So, yeah. I genuinely think it's just a personal preference. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, and, and I think you hit it on the mark, too, when it's like, it's because that's my thing with it, is like, it's Steven Gerrard. And not to, like, discredit other Galaxy players, like, I'd be stoked to have any of their stuff, but the fact that it's, like, Steven Gerrard, like, when I, when I, when I, like, had these you know, when I was driving home and I was thinking about it, I was thinking about just, like, all of the moments he's had as, like, a legend and the fact that, like, I had this, like, weird piece. You know, there's an American movie we have here called Like Mike. Have you guys heard of it? Yeah. 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 I never felt, seen it you never but... seen it. It's a movie about a kid who gets these Jordans that Michael Jordan used to wear and they get, like, shocked by lightning and then he all of a sudden becomes mm-hmm. really good at basketball. I felt like I was like Mike. Even though I you, wasn't, you're gonna, you're saying you're gonna go and play in Stephen Gerrard's boots, and then you're gonna turn into Stephen Gerrard, JP. That's yeah, gonna happen. Exactly. Gonna captain the Galaxy to the MLS Cup next year. Exactly. But but on the final, <laughs> in the final of my MLS Cup, Stephen Gerrard will come in the locker room and go, "Those are my boots." And then I'm gonna have to figure out that the that I it was in my heart, Chris. The 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 skill was in my heart, not in the cleats. But that's Dude, a story spoilers. for another time. That's how like Mike finishes for anybody. Who's... <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I don't if you know. haven't watched it by now, I mean, <laughs> you know. Dude, like don't Johnny. go watch like Mike. <laughs> it's not a good movie. No, it's a great movie. Go watch it. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's just it's just kind of a crazy story. I'll, I'll keep you guys posted with it. I I feel like I should know more about it. Um, probably like within the next couple of days, we'll see what's up with it, and we'll probably see what we're gonna do with it. But it's it's just nuts. But do you guys want to move on to okay, Chris? This is it's up to you. Do you want to rant about United, or or do you just want to skip it and go to Champions League? Because I know you are distraught right now, <laughs> dude. So I was thinking, I'm, I'm not gonna. I wouldn't say I'm gonna rant about United. I'm gonna speak very with a simple mind towards the entire scenario <laughs> because Easy. I think that what, yeah, <laughs> no. Um, I was I, I was listening to what you're saying there, and I was thinking about the culture that we do have in England and and Britain in general um, for for sport and for football is very 
it is, it gets toxic. It is toxic. You just have to go on Twitter these days to see the amount of 15 year olds that are hiding behind an Anthony Martial um, Abbey on Twitter and just racially abusing people, for example. It's not, it's not nice. Yeah. And at the end of the day, football is something to be enjoyed. Um, you know, it's certainly a passion for all of us. It's some, certainly something that we love, but I just don't feel that, I just, I feel like it I almost takes over at times in terms of the negative aspects of your opinions of life in general. And it's quite a philosophical way for me to start this, but <laughs> it's just, it, the, the reason why, because I was thinking about what you were saying and I kind of gained perspective because I was gutted. So as we record this, United are currently out of the, went out of the Champions League this season completely bottled our attempts to challenge Man City to go for the league title. We lost the league to the City in the semi-finals of the, of the Carabao Cup. And we've just gone out of the FA Cup in the quarterfinals to Leicester. Um, and I'm not going to make excuses. It's not it, It's not a great feeling. However, I'm not going to come on and be like, oh, everything's dreadful. All these social needs sacked. And all these people need out of the club. Because realistically... This time two weeks ago, we were all buzzing, and he was saying he was deserving of a of a of, an, of a longer contract. You got you got to give and take as a football fan, and today is just the day that I've got to give. And we've had so many good moments recently, and so many so many good ways of saying, "Hey, well, there's obviously progress here, and we know the obvious gaps." Whereas five years ago, we didn't know the obvious gaps that we had. It was pretty much the eleven. All these come in and completely re re regenerate regenerated the entire culture of the club to what it's supposed to be. So today, I, I I will praise him for that. However, there are obvious flaws that he has. An example of that is the fact that Marcus Rashford played the first 45 minutes against Milan on Thursday, made his injury, whenever he was clearly injured, made his injury even worse. And then he was out of the match today. And now he'll probably go and play for England. And it's, you're thinking that's... He's 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 our second best player. Well, it has been this season probably. And why why are we jeopardizing our position in the FA Cup for the sake of his? Why are we jeopardizing him and his his fitness and therefore our position in the FA Cup just purely because we need to see see him try and get a nick a goal against Milan, you know? And and then not starting Bruno, not starting Shaw, and and then taking Pogba off for Bruno. Whenever we're trying, whenever we're two one down to try and get a goal, there's things like that that I think his squad management really needs to improve, and yeah. that's a prime example. Um, I don't know what you guys think of that, but that's sort of my first point is that I think he's done an absolutely wonderful job, and the progress is obvious for everyone to see. And we're just we're nearly there. I think we're very similar to that club team in 2015, or. You know, the, the City team that Pellegrini looked after or the Marcus team from 2010 that City had. We're there. We just need one or two parts. Yeah. But all he needs to sort out how he manages the squad and how he manages the likes of Bruno and Rashford because Marcus Rashford's, you know, his season could be done if we're not too careful, purely for the amount of, of games he's playing. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, and I really like the way you said that. And something that I'm surprised you didn't comment on or say, but I'll say it, is that since the beginning of the season, you've been saying, we're not going to win the league this year. This isn't the, the year where things happen, but this is the year where we are going, going to learn and we are going to develop. And you have been. You, Manchester United has been developing. I definitely see, like, like what you explained with Rashford, the obvious mistakes that they're making. But, I mean, I think, you know, with Ali being at the wheel, it's still going in an all right direction with that being said. 
And I think that, yeah. And, and like, 100%. I, you know, obviously you're going to comment on this, but like, you know, you, you've been spot on. This has been a season that they're rebuilding. I think that he's messing with the roster. He's trying to figure things out. Um, and it's just a matter of time. It's kind of like that thing. And like, do you think that they're going to have kind of a golden age coming up? Like, do you think they're going to have kind of a point coming up where everything just starts working? So, dude, this is the thing. So, I remember, I remember saying this time last year um, about Firmino, Van Dijk, Salah, Mane, Henderson. We're all of a similar age. They all, it was the perfect storm. They all hit the exact point where success was inevitable because they were at the peaks of their career. And it's very rare you find a, pro- a proper players like that that are all so good. And, um, and it culminates in so much success. Mm-hmm. Now, where I'm very optimistic as a United fan is that we have a very, very decent blend of experience. I'm going to compare it to the Liverpool team because they're obviously the most successful team in the last five years, probably. Um, where you had Van Dijk, he was 29. You had Gomez, that was, what, what, Sam Joe Gomez is 21, isn't he? 22? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 22, yeah. Yeah. There's a perfect mix in terms of your centre-backs. Where you had again Van Dijk again sorry to take the example of the back four Trent was 20 last year and Andy Robertson's 24 um Nabi Kaida when he came in Nabi Kaida is what only 24 as well like he's la- like there was a perfect blend of, of youth and experience for that Liverpool team and where I'll take the example for us is that you know David De Gea is probably our oldest most senior player he's 29 I'm oh, sorry apart from Medicans Edinson Cavani he's 20 he's 35 Harry Maguire is 28, and you put and Victor Lindelof's 27. Um, then you compare like Bruno's 20, Bruno's 26, Marcus Rashford's 23, Mason Greenwood's 19, Daniel James is 21, um, Ahmed Diallo is 18, um, Aaron Wan-Bissaka is 23, uh, and even Luke Shaw's you know 25. Like these lads have still got their best years ahead of them, is my point. Yeah, and I think that. And what I'm trying to get at is that I think that our perfect, you know, our our storm per se is is coming. <laughs> like the dark night rises. <laughs> um, okay. I think that I think that we're certainly in a much better position to go and challenge what we should be next year. If we're not finishing comfortably second, even saying we're not finishing com- comfortably third or comfortably second this year, then that was always going to be a poor thing. But I, you know, I think that next year is is supposed to be the year in the ollie experiment it was supposed to be next year always and that's why I, that's why i'm gaining perspective with the fact that maybe we aren't going to win anything this year but ollie came out in the week this it came out in the press this season sorry this week pardon me and said that we you know the, the actual meaning of success, of progress isn't winning something always it's actually what you're doing in the league so like you know, Louis van Gaal won the FA Cup in in um 2015, but we finished fifth. Yeah. And and um, uh, Mourinho won the Europa League. And we finished sixth. Whereas for the past 13 game weeks, I think it is Man United have either been first or second. So what what tells you? Like obviously, it's much better and the best experiences and the things you win. But the actual evident evident pro. What would you rather do? Would you rather win something one off, or Build it, build a, the foundations and go and win some, win three or four trophies in a row. That's what Klopp did. Yeah. That's what Guardiola kind of, you know, that's what Pelle, Mancini, Pellegrini, and Guardiola had. They were building those foundations for them to go and actually win something at the end of, of, of that project and of that wave. And I think that's where we're at. 
yeah. is we're, you know, year two of a six-year project to go and actually get ourselves back to winning Champions Leagues and Premier Leagues. And and, and I, at least I, I, I do see that, you know, and I think you put it a really good way. It's 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 progress every single year, you know. It really is. Um, and I mean, the thing is, the, the one thing that like annoys me, and this does trigger me, I won't lie, <laughs> is that regard. You know, Konzo says this, and you know he's obviously not here to have debate with me on it. But he, there's this argument that we're only where we are because of Bruno, and and <laughs> Sam Connor and I have discussed it in the past. I I don't understand like. Fair enough, Bruno has been the absolute difference and Bruno is still, in my opinion, the best player in the league. Yeah. Um, and certainly deserves to be PFA player of the year this year, regardless of what happens in the next few weeks. But, you know, Maguire, Fred, McTominay, Lindelof, Wambasaka, these guys get hammered on a regular, regular basis for probably not being seen as good enough. But, like, the diff- I, I, I would say to any United fan who wants Harry Maguire out, just remember what was there before. Smalling, Jones, Rojo, Eric Bailly to an extent previously. Harry Maguire has, you know, for one, he's barely, he's barely been injured. And he's actually been a wonderful addition to our defence. Fred and McTominay have consistently done on a big game stage. The, that, I'll be honest with you, JB, though, that's our main gap, is that we need a, we need a better centre defensive center midfielder. We need somebody like Ndidi. We need somebody like Rice. I watched Declan Rice today, guys, and geez, he would be perfect. Sitting, it's him sitting behind Pogba and Bruno. That's how we're going to go win stuff. Not with McTominay and Fred. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you, again. So, so that's my that's my point. Is that I think that you know, we we need to be able to. I, I kind of want this slander. I don't really care about you know, Liverpool fans or Spurs fans or Arsenal fans or whatever think about these players. Like that's fine. I think they have to. I've always thought the most Salah was overrated myself as well. And, and like, I've always looked at, you know, Spurs or Harry, Spurs rely so much more on Harry Kane than we rely on Bruno, arguably. Yeah. Mm, arguably. And maybe I'll maybe take that back in our concert here, isn't it? <laughs> but I, I think that, I just think that I would encourage any United fan to actually put the perspective on the fact to think that every, you know, we're not going to have the best club in every position. We just have, because we didn't under Fergie. We had so many good teams like John O'Shea, Parkchi's son, Darren Fletcher, who supported Paul Scholes, Ronaldo, Rooney, and Fred McTominay are there to do the jobs for Bruno to go and win his football matches. Yeah. And if you know, if other if other fans can't see that, you know, fair enough, that's prerogative, but that's how I see it. And that's how I, you know, I had a friend of mine, uh, who I think he does listen in sometimes, but good old Joe Murphy. Joe texted me after the United match and said Fred needs sold. My dad was texting me saying the Fred needs sold as well, and I was like, "Well, how can you not see what he adds to this team? Maybe in these matches, evidently he's probably not good enough, but in other matches, whenever we don't have as much of the ball, he absolutely is exactly the type of player that we need. Yeah, it just is a shame that at the moment he's probably number one in that position. But if he had a better player, like in the back in the day, we, if, if Carrick wasn't playing, Fletcher came in. And I'm sorry, I'm going on, but." No, and no, this no. is this is sort of my like my message to anybody that listens to the United fan is just calm down, gain some perspective on where we are right now and where we were four years ago, and understand that these players are part of this. They maybe mess up on the odd occasion, but they're not. They're certainly they're part of the puzzle. And they're not the finished article by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. So that I I was very wary, boys, of coming on and being like, 
oh, I'm just going to absolutely just tear and be furious. But no, I love you know that. I I've, I've I've had a great season <laughs> and I'm loving United the way United are playing right now. And you know if I think I think that the football has been the best thing about the lockdown. <laughs> if there's if there's any good thing, oh, yeah. the football we've all got to got to be watching. But but and then, you know everything things are going things are going the right way. Yeah, and then, but that's what I think when I see when I see United. I think it's a it's a rebuilding, and not to mention you have to you have to also think of the tools that United have and the owners they have and how the owners suck, and like all the stuff that they're kind of overcoming in that process. When everything like that is considered, I think Manchester United is doing a fantastic job. Something that we also all know about football fans is is they want things to just magically fix ASAP. When sometimes that's not the that's not how it works. I mean. You know, when you like when you look at the galaxy, we've been terrible since we last we won our uh, last MLS Cup, and we're always in these new rebuilding years, and we're always in these new rebuilding years, and we're not putting our we're not digging our feet in the sand and taking a stand and saying, okay, we are going to rebuild with what we have. We're not doing that. Um, so when you see Manchester United and how they're handling their current squad, I feel like that's what I see. I feel like I see Manchester United, Ali, you know, saying, okay, we have a foundation here. We know which players work in this system, um, and now it's just kind of you know shaping that team to work out if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I get it, and yeah. I, and I, and you not being discouraged is great because I mean, second in the league's great. It is, and I mean, and you can't. I mean, I hate them. You hate them too. But you can't take anything away from Manchester City. You can't. You can't. They're they're an amazing team. They're an amazing squad. You know, mm-hmm. none of us are there yet. Um, and do you know what the ironic thing is? Is that you're probably the only team in Europe at the moment, bar Bayern Munich, that isn't as intimidated to actually play and go and try and do their way, do their thing against that city team. Mm-hmm. Probably Man United. <laughs> we have they're, they're about to go and they've beaten every other team in the league this season, bar us. You know, like I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm claiming my defense. I'm claiming that as our trophy for this season, for God's sake. <laughs> you know, I think that says so much about Solskjaer, though, because my, like, my yeah. argument with United, and first of all, the, the biggest issue in what you're saying about people wanting players sold, that's football. You know, it's the same with Liverpool, you know, same with the likes of Chelsea under Lampard. You don't get time, you know, everybody expects these clubs to win everything, especially Manchester United, because for so long, he's won everything. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a case of, oh, well, he's not good enough, so replace him. You know, go spend a hundred million on a midfielder. Then, and it doesn't work like that. It, you know, no, you can't no. just go out and do that. You know, Manchester United have tried it. City have done it, and there's only so many times you can do it. And before it starts to become, it just stops working. You know, look at Pogba. You spent eighty million on him, and he wouldn't say he's been an absolute, you know, success. He hasn't been a bad sign in any. No, no, like, like, no chance. But he ha- for what you pay and for what you expect, he hasn't particularly been a success either. But my thing with Solskjaer is, and I'm not going to sit and bash Manchester United because we had the same thing, you know, the likes of your Fred, who I don't think is good enough for Manchester United in that position. He's not a bad squad player. But I get the point of what you're saying of these players like McTominay, Fred, who I don't think they're up to it. I really don't. I don't think they're at the levels that people, the players that I'm about to compare them to. But, you know, Two seasons ago and last season for Liverpool, Roberto Firmino, Jorginho Wijnaldum, all these players that everyone like, don't do anything. Jordan Henderson, like Jordan Henderson is the most like slandered footballer I have been at. He is brilliant and he's, but he's brilliant for Liverpool. 
he might not be the best footballer. He might go to Manchester City and he wouldn't do half the job. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of thing. I think he I think he could walk into any team and do his job really, really well. I really do. And, but and the I, likes of Jorginho and Alden is the perfect example. Firmino as well. Sorry, go ahead, Johnny. And Sam, I think that you, you really wrapped up a point pretty well because something that I always try to bring up is how important chemistry is. And I think that that's a, a role in this too. Is because when fans say that they want things to change quickly, we can look at a club that's done that. Which club is it? Chelsea. Chelsea did that. Yeah. Chelsea had an off season where they signed a bunch of people because of the you know they had a lot of pressure. They're like, okay, let's let's get a bunch of guys. And you know what they did? They got a lot of amazing players. Say what you will about Timo Warner, Werner. Um, say what you will about him. I think he's a great player. I think that he's a victim yeah. of a system that doesn't work with him. Um, and and that's the point though, is that when you do play, it, you can't really win as a coach in this sense. Because then when you do play toward the fans, you listen to the fans, all of that stuff. Now you have to develop an entire new system and chemistry that works with these new players, and that takes time. That's why what Ollie's doing is so great is because he has these players, he's developing these players, he's developing a system, and he's taking his time to make it work. And so far, I mean, second the Premier League sounds like it's working to me, to an extent. You know? See, I I think the thing with them when you were saying about, you know, Ollie's at the wheel and all this, I'm not a Manchester United fan. Obviously, but I seem to feel like in this this really? year, no, absolutely not. They're coming up to this point where you have to do something, and I think next season, as Chris said, is probably the the point. I think they're caught in a loop. I really do. Of they'll go through periods of time where they'll win, and or they'll not lose a game for twenty, and then they'll they'll go on a cups. Like you know, you have to remember, as Chris started, this is the same team, this is the same manager that got them knocked out in the Champions League, they got them knocked out in the FA Cup, Carling Cup, you know, and the Champions League. I'm sorry. That Champions League was embarrassing. That Leipzig game was, yeah. you know, that was, that was embarrassing. If if you yes, go back to that, cool. yeah, you look at it and you go, wow, why has he got a job? You look at the bigger picture, and I think with Solskjaer, and I said it on a previous pub, the thing that is good with Solskjaer, he's a brilliant man manager. You'll get plenty from the team. I think the problem is, and I don't know when I could be completely wrong, because he's not, he's a still a young manager. I think his problem might be going that next step taking that team that believe in him adding new players and inc- improving your tactics i don't think he's attack i don't think he's very tactical i really don't i think the one time the one time that he gets right is the city games and i think with city you're forced into playing it and he's just not stupid mm-hmm. so he plays city a very specific way and every time he's beat city he's played them the exact same way a few weeks ago he played Daniel James, right? And in no circumstances is Daniel James a player you would play against any other team. But City, the same thing with Pep Guardiola has been throughout his career, Barcelona, Bayern Munich and City, is putting the ball behind the two centre-backs. So what did he do? He packed the midfield and he played the quick players. And he played Daniel James, Rashford and I think he played Martial. And he just said, run the channels, get them behind. And we'll put the ball. We will once we get retain the ball. We'll then put it behind. And he's done that. He's done that against City. And Guardiola has been caught out, especially in behind the fullbacks because they come inside. But I think his problem is the attack. I think defensively, I'm not Maguire's biggest fan. I think he reads the game very well, and I don't think he's a bad defender. I think he reminds me a bit of Jimmy Carragher, mm-hmm. where he's not very quick. He's terrible one on one, but he reads the game really, really well. You know. He is very often in the right position, but he's not the best footballer either. So don't, you know, you don't have to rely. I think Maguire's biggest issue is Lindelof. Mm-hmm. If I'm honest, 
I and Chris would probably maybe say differently. Lindelof has been all right at times. I just think they don't look like a an assured centre back partnership. And I don't mean you know you're relying on, but you just need that to create a partnership between the two where you feel confident in them. And I think part of that again is going to be, as Chris said, the same thing that Liverpool go through when you don't have a defensive midfielder that's really really capable sitting in front of the defence. And it's why I kept banging on about getting he- or Fabinho back in front of the midfield or the defenders. Yeah, I just don't know how it's, far. It's to most, start I think it's the most important. I think it's the most important position in football at the moment. Hundred because absolutely. because essentially you you know football. I think that you know we talk about tactics, but football's football's so much more simple than than people let on. I, you know, they asked the question of Pep Guardiola the other day. Pep, why do you play your cent- Why do you play your fullbacks in the middle of the pitch? So just to keep the ball. Yeah, and and that was that. It's so simple. No one else <laughs> thinks about it. But so I like people try and cop, talk about uh, inverted wingers and you know false nines and sweeper keepers. But in my opinion, it's just lines. It's a line from your defense, from your goal, as a, in a third. And then how how are you connecting that defensive third to the middle third, and how are you connecting that middle third to to the to the attacking third, and it's just a, one big line. But who's connecting those lines? So that you look at it, Sam put it perfectly. Fabinho was the difference for Liverpool team, arguably. Arguably more so than anybody else because not not assert, not in terms of performance because obviously Van Dyke's that person, but in terms of he's the person that started to connect to the to that to that to that you know when and Henderson and you know when Henderson whenever he moved further off the pitch because he was playing holding the field beside Gerard before what Fabinho signed and then Henderson connected enough with Firmino and though it's that it's that level of simplicity. Is that if you have a decent player, you can connect those dots and connect those thirds. Then you've got a winning formula, mm-hmm. and that's what Fabinho's done for that. Fabinho did, sorry, for that Liverpool team. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, do you know what the really crazy thing is? Sorry, JB, because I want to, uh, I want to, you know, move on to talk about Pulisic. Yeah. In the Champions League, because a really, really brilliant example of somebody who's done this in the best way. And this is probably where an argument against Ole can come and against what I've been saying for the past sort of. 20 minutes is that Thomas Tuchel, 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 however he's pronounced his name, sorry, pardon me, is has come in and you know completely changed things. But he looked at a system that fit, he found a system that fitted the players, not and this is why I think it's really interesting because normally people say the players have to fit the system, i.e., Klopp signed players from Liverpool that fit his system. Mm-hmm. But Tuchel didn't play a 3 4 3 at Paris, he didn't at all, and you know, he didn't have a specific system, but he came in. And he said, okay, well, look at the players that I've got. We're very top-heavy. I play three strikers. But we're very, very... We were not the best defensively with the individuals that we've got. I play three defenders. He also looked at that defense and said, Cesar Azpilicueta is probably our best natural defender. Where's his best position? Well, he's not a modern-day fullback. He's not modern-day centre-back. Let's play him a right centre-back because that's where he's best. That's where he's been best for Chelsea mm-hmm. under Conte. And... But one person, and I really want to hear your opinion, Miss Johnny, and it's probably the, his introduction has been to the detriment of is Christian Pulisic, because Christian Pulisic isn't really playing that much, but hasn't really get getting that many minutes because he's got the com- combined um, a co- contest against a because the Chelsea are playing those two inverted wingers. Yeah, he's he's com- he's competing with Werner, um, Ziyech, Mount, Havertz. Um, probably Callum hudson Adoy, even though hudson Adoy's played right wing back but he'd probably be one of those as well so why do you think that Pulisic just, like, 
to both of you as a guest last summer, as obviously seen them too. So why do you guys think that Pulisic, who is American football's poster boy, isn't really getting a look in so, as much as the others are? So I have a kind of a weird answer for that. And it's kind of going to, like, but let me explain it. Because it's going to sound weird when I say it. Uh, he's kind of like the secret weapon. And what I mean by that is, is when he was in, when he was interviewed before, he said, Pulisic is so effective when he comes off the bench. He's so effective, which means he has an idea for him. And hey, where else was he effective right off of the bench? Dortmund. Dortmund. When you know when yeah. Tuchel was coaching. Whenever he was in manager. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, I th- I believe that he understands Pulisic and how Pulisic plays, and he he understands that uh, he has to keep him hungry. Uh, with that being said. I feel like it's kind of a bummer for Pulisic. And the reason why I say that is because he left Dortmund. And he's probably looking forward to maybe getting some time at Chelsea. I didn't think Pulisic would play at Chelsea, would play long at Chelsea. I thought he was going to get like loaned out to like Stoke City or something. Um, let's be fair. So, like, just to interject there, I mean, I, I think you're completely underestimating how good this guy is. No, 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 no. I, 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 I totally he, think Pulisic's I, I I think he's Chelsea's best player. You know, what, day. I'll say that every single day. But I, I know that a lot of the time Chelsea will take like young talents or something or they'll not use certain players and they'll loan them out or whatever. And that's what I was afraid of. I was thinking of the worst case scenario. Um, but yeah, for as it stands, I, I think the reason why he's subbing is because Tuchel knows how dangerous he is and how hungry he is off of the bench. And he knows... Okay, man, let, let, me, let me ask you then. Yeah. Is that what you want for him? No, um, as an American football fan, is that what you you want this guy to be, you know, number 12, 13, 14? No. You don't want him to, yeah. But I want him to develop, I mean. and that's my biggest thing. And the problem is there's going to be a point, and this has happened. This is, I mean, look at Hamas Rodriguez. Look at his career. What happened? What happened when he was yeah. getting big, and what happened when he was doing great? He was a sub. And Zidane did the same thing. He would say, he's strong off the bench. I'm going to use this guy off the bench. He's a skilled player off of the bench. This is a really, really bad example, but I'm going to say it. What happens at FIFA when you mistakenly sign an extra really good player? What do you do? You have a super good player off the bench, and then once everyone's tired, you just unleash this really great player. It's the same thing. And Pulisic is the perfect guy to do it. He has amazing pace. He's aggressive. Throwing that dude at a tired defense at the end of the game, that's super smart. Um... Unfortunately, it doesn't give him the opportunity to grow. So, as a as a fan of you know a U.S. fan, uh, I want him. To, I, I obviously want him to start every game. I want him to get the the minutes that he deserves. I don't want him to be used as like a secret you know secret weapon or anything. I want him to be used as a first team number ten. And do you, th- and do you think you'll get that at Chelsea? Um, it, I mean, it's kind of tough. It's tough. I think. Uh, if he doesn't get it by, I'd say next season. I I, I would say request to get out of there. I, I would say go somewhere else. He he. he where do you think he, he should go? Um. Because I like I know where he's been. he's being linked with places because the rumor is that he's going. I know where I think he'd be best suited. So it, it's tough, man. It really is. I mean, United. Needs... I, I I'd absolutely love to have him. Yeah, my right sided forward. I would absolutely love to have him. Well, because yeah, I mean, you, you guys need that. that and, and that's what I was thinking is like we keep talk, talking about Grealish maybe going to United. Like he'd fit really well in that system, but like, you know, 
Felicic, I mean, he would fit fantastic in that. And I think, but then again, I look at like United and I say, well, Van de Beek is great. And Van de Beek is kind of getting screwed. So it's kind of a weird question. Maybe, and, and then, or, or you can look back and say, okay, maybe he should go to a smaller club. Maybe he should go to like, maybe he should go to like, you know, Aston Villa. Or maybe he should go somewhere where he's going to stand out more. It's kind of a hard question. Um, but if I had to choose, I'd probably say um, probably United because I think that Ollie would know how great he is. I think that he would know how to use him. I think United need a fast, intense player like that right now. Um, but that's just my two cents about it. I really, I think he'll turn yeah. it around. I think Tuchel knows how Polisic is, and I think there's going to be a point in their relationship where he's going to have to start him. He like, he, I, I bet he'd start him before he'd lose him. That's my hope. I don't think he will. No, it's in, I, well, I, yeah, what do you think, Samuels? I think Tuchel, he, as far as I remember, when he broke into that Dortmund team, he then was, his game time was reduced under Tuchel. I don't think Tuchel trusts him. I think injuries have played a massive part with it, and I think he was going to be Frank Lampard's go-to guy. Yeah. And then, because coming up to this, especially after the first lockdown, when he came in, he was phenomenal and he was easily their player, like their best player. And you could see that that team was going to be built around him and then the summer spending spree and then he got injured again. I think that has made a massive impact on him. I think Tuchel, I think Tuchel will sell him if he has to. There's enough there that he, he wouldn't debate it. I don't think he's done enough for Chelsea that anyone would say, yeah, no, he needs to stay. I, I think Pulisic is, if you go into American football terms, I think he's a franchise player. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you you can build a team around him. And, I mean, he is the perfect replacement for either Salah or, Ma- or Mane. I mean, Jurgen Klopp, 100%. He's, tw- he's he'd 22. He knows Klopp. Yeah. He knows Klopp's yeah. system. Did, did he play under Klopp? Klopp brought him through, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, he knows Klopp. I mean, of course, Tuchel replaced Klopp, didn't he? Yeah. So, he knows oh, Klopp's okay. system. He was playing in Klopp's teams by the end. And then Turkle came in, and not as far as I'm aware, anyway. And then Turkle dropped him, and I think he's the perfect player. You get him fit. He's quick. He's good on both sides. He's good with both feet, so you can play him off either wing. You can play him in behind the striker. I genuinely think he's. If ever he was one player that I was glad we didn't sign, I especially with the Dortmund link. Um, but I think he genuinely could be. He could be like. He reminds me of Eden Hazard in the way he plays. Very similar. Yes, sort of I agree. Like, not not a massively well-built guy but just great in the ball great feet very quick very strong uh, great balance and I think he gets the right team gets the right manager he will be unstoppable yeah. now I don't think he's a I don't think he's a Manchester City a Manchester United player I think he goes to clubs like that and he'll get lost I genuinely think Liverpool under Klopp and he will be he will fit straight in he knows the system and he will be Liverpool's player for the next whether it's Klopp for the next five years or Gerard or replaces him or whoever it is that team's then built around him he's yeah. he's the 10 he's there he's the main man and whoever comes in takes over Klopp that the project is to continue to build the team around him I think he'd be a perfect signing for us and I think that would be the best thing for him I don't I'm not convinced Chelsea will let him go to Liverpool <laughs> but yeah. I just think for for a lot how, of how much, how much would you think you'd be paying for him if he did leave 40, 50 million. As cheap as that, really. Yeah, well, I, was, I, mean, I was gonna would, say seventy. 
yeah, well, you're not going to go in and pay. Like that, that's the issue. That's that is the issue. He hasn't done enough to justify what he's actually worth. So if you look at what how good a player he is and what he can do, he's probably a hundred million player in today's market. Maybe slightly less, eighty million. But can you justify paying eighty million for somebody who has been on off at Chelsea for two years? No, you're right. You know, he said he's a decent enough form. Chelsea will want to obviously recoup their money, and I reckon fifty. I would say maybe 50, 60 million generally would probably, 60 would probably be the most. I mean, obviously it's not my money. I don't I don't care how much I spend on them. But yeah, I just no. think in football terms, unless you're one of the giants financially, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't spend that much money. You know, the likes to, yeah. for example, Jack Grealish. I mean, I would love Jack Grealish at Liverpool, but he's going to cost 100 million from Aston Villa. I mean, do you risk it? Yeah, because he's English. Are you going to risk that? Mm-hmm. You know, James Madison, love him. How much is he? How much would he be? You know, probably a 50 million player. 60, 60. Cost you yeah. 80, 100 now, again, you know. And that's just the way football works. But from the way you're you're saying, Johnny, and obviously you're probably, oh, as Americans are, with Pulisic, massive fans of him, I genuinely think he's underrated for what he, what he actually is. I think he's, he could easily be one of the top players like top five in the yeah. world, if because I yeah. think I think he's jealous of that front line. I think he's a better all round player than Timo Werner. He's a different player than Ziyech, but I think for an impact, he's probably better. Um, who else? Callum Hudson Doyle. He's better than Callum Hudson Doyle at the minute. Um, Havertz. Better. Yeah, well, he's better on paper than Havertz, depending on how you look mm. at it. But yeah, you know, he is probably. It's difficult with the Chelsea team. Kai Havertz is obviously their most profitable player, most likely him and Werner. But I would say Pulisic is well, right see, up the, there. But this is what I. This is the reason why I was asking. Obviously, there's there's such an interest in Christian Pulisic from from Amer- from anybody who is from America who who enjoys football because he is from pure just raw talent, arguably the best. American players ever come through, isn't yeah. he? From pure raw talent, you know, obviously Ben Dempsey and Donovan did so much. From raw talent, I think he's up there. But I think as well, Sam, you talk, and you make a really good point about marketability. And, you know, if you're signing Chris Pulisic, you're probably signing a player that is going to sell. Isn't isn't it he's up there, Johnny, with the most sold shirts, like Messi and Ronaldo, for the most sold shirts in, in, across all 50 states, isn't he? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. I, I, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, so this is my point, is that if you're signing Christian Pulisic, from a footballing perspective, you're signing a wonderful footballer. And from a um, from a business perspective, you're signing, you know, the most often, the, mo- the, most, the most interested country in the world in the moment in football, or at least their most, you know, their interest is growing and growing, sorry, is, is what I mean. And you're signing the player who's at the forefront of that. It's a, it's a, it's a business decision that would, and a, it's a business and football decision, and for me, it's a no-brainer for whatever club comes and grabs him. Yeah, going by state, sorry, um, Christian Pulisic is the second highest shirt sales in America. Is Messi? Messi. So yeah. it's Messi, Ronaldo, or Messi, Pulisic, Ronaldo, Kylian Mbappe, and Marcus Rashford. Wow! Oh, look at okay. that. Must just be the United connection, I guess. <laughs> Interesting. Um, and I know Stadio Mane is there, up there too. There's a Mane. There's a Mane, and yeah. get this. Right? There's I don't know what state it is, I'm gonna have to look it up. Um where is it? There's a Bonucci. 
Leo Benucci, really? <laughs> yeah, Juventus centre back. What Super. state is a massive fan of Benucci? What is the bad about? <laughs> I know. I'm gonna, I don't know why. I just want to say I literally would immediately thought New Orleans because of the Italian connection. But <laughs> that is just what? That's class. But um, boys, I just want to go on the final point, and I really enjoyed that, that discussion around Christian Pulisic. I think it's a fascinating one, and anyway, I'm really interested to see where it goes. Absolutely. But Samwise, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Champions League quarterfinal. Happy, sad, excited, nervous. Um. I think we done a pod a week ago, two weeks ago, whatever it was, on and we mentioned it, Champions League draw. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, and I said the dream one would be Real Madrid. Um, I go. think for for multiple reasons. Um, a revenge point of view. I want to beat them from the final in 2018, 17, 18. 18. Yeah, so I want to beat them, and I want. Moussa to score hat-trick against Sergio Ramos after the, <laughs> the attack on his elbow yeah. or his shoulder, whatever it was. But I think Champions League, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I don't want to play Porto in the Champions League quarterfinal. It's just, it doesn't feel special. The Champions League is, especially this season, I would love to go to the final and beat, you know, and I've played these teams and beat Real Madrid on the way and then beat Chelsea in the next round and then beat whoever it is in the final to win it. You know, but I think Real Madrid are there for the taking as well. I don't. I think throughout the pitch, one on one, man to man. No, it's different now because we don't have our full strength team. I think we're a better team. I think we're a better all round team. The issue is going to be the two midfields. So Liverpool and the Torsi are very recently very high possession team in midfield, um, and Real Madrid are going to want to do the same. And the likelihood is they're going to play a yeah. tandem of Kroos. Modric and Casemiro again, and we're going to play Wijnaldum, Fabinho and Thiago. And to me, ours, it's Thiago starting to get his form, Fabinho in there. There's nobody that genuinely terrifies me in the Real Madrid team. You know, with Fabinho sitting holding on his day, I don't think, I don't think there's anyone that worries him. Our issue is the centre-backs, naturally. Now, the other side of it is they're by... By these games, they'll have played hopefully a good few games together, and they'll settle down for being able back in midfield. But I think it's just, I think it's just a good matchup. You know, I think it's a team in transition from Real Madrid that don't quite know where they're going, with a team yeah. at Liverpool who know exactly where they're going, exactly what they want, but have been thrown off yeah. and have just been sort of kicked off that track in a sense. Where this is how we want to play, and this is how we're going to play. To crap, we don't have our players, but we still want to play like this, so we need. We need to try some, so I think it's a good matchup in that sense, and I think it's a matchup midfield of not youth versus experience. It's slow and experience versus energetic and experience, and it will be interesting to see how that works. You know, I think it's gonna be fascinating. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the key thing with it. I mean, you've got Liverpool's front three just not firing at the minute. Diego draws back in, looks very good. Midfield starting to work better. Trent's starting to play a wee bit better, so he can cause trouble. Um, Robbo has just been consistent all season for us, in fairness. But yeah, I just think it's an interesting thing, because I don't think Real Madrid will be absolutely terrified of Liverpool. I don't think Liverpool need to be absolutely terrified of Real Madrid. So I think it's a very even tie, but it's still a massive European tie. Liverpool versus Real Madrid is, is huge, especially yeah, in the last big. five, six years. Mm-hmm. That's massive. Yeah. I think yeah. it's okay. So, what's your prediction on the score? What do you What do you got? 
really difficult at the minute because I would always say that doesn't matter the first or whatever the away leg is. We you go back to Anfield in the European night and you, you could be three 0 down. You could win. And this season it doesn't count because there's no fans, so it doesn't make a massive difference. Um, but the way they're supposed to be played in in home stadiums as well. I don't think there'll be any issue. Of, yeah, well, so obviously, you, obviously, Rams are know. playing in their training ground, but yeah, yeah. So I don't know whether you have to go. The might the Spanish government might not let them come over. Whatever it is, yeah. by that time, um. I think oh geez, I haven't actually properly thought about it. I think one of the two legs will be tight and I think we I think we walk them in one of the legs. I mean two three do you? two three goals in. I really do. I think that's where our front three will really start to come up. I think Salah will be desperate. Manny needs to freaking wake up. I don't know what the hell's wrong with him at the minute. But I just think at the minute Depending on how the next couple of weeks go, we go into that game with a bit more confidence, a bit more security at the back. And I think we walk at least one of those games. And whether it's the first leg or the second leg, ideally you want to walk the second leg. Away leg. Yeah. Well, say, I think would you rather walk, walk for the away goals? Which I think is the first leg, isn't it? See, it doesn't really matter where away goals, though. Like, realistically, mm. you know, you just if you walk one of the games, it's all right. Um, I would, yeah. I would love to beat them. Uh, it's not the Bar- uh, the Burnham, whatever the hell they're stadium. The Alfredo de Stefano. No, the actual stadium. Oh, the Santiago Bernabeu. The Bernabeu. They're not yeah. playing there, which is gotten. I would love to beat them in their in in their own yeah. stadium, but obviously we'll have to make do with beating them in their training ground. But I think yeah. we will beat them. <laughs> I think we'll go through, and I think for anyone that doesn't know, the finals in Istanbul. The semi-final could be Liverpool versus Chelsea. And the last time Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi weren't in the quarterfinals of the Champions League was 2005, when the final was held in Istanbul. The semi-final was Liverpool versus Chelsea. And Liverpool came from 3-0 down to win against AC Milan. So it's, it's re- All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's us. Written in the stars, that's Having us. A good time. Champions League <laughs> prediction. It's, it's done. Right <laughs> on the trophy now. There we go. Oh, my gosh. Well, I I think that it'll be very cagey. I think that Real Madrid are a lot better than people are are expecting. Um, tie the round though, hundred percent goes to Bayern Munich versus Paris Saint Germain. Uh, it's crazy to see if 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 that Paris team gets to the final one year and lose the Bayern and then lose it and go out in the quarterfinals as well. So um, yeah. Anything else do you like boys like to mention around Champions League draw? Um. I think Chelsea's going to beat Porto. I yeah, that might be a uh, uh, an unpopular opinion, or I don't know. Uh, I don't think Dortmund's going to beat Man City. I think Dortmund's got a fun attack, but I think Manchester City's defense is just fucking ridiculous. And, and they're and they're like they're in Manchester City's attack against Dortmund because like that's the thing is is like Dor- Dortmund's style. It, it's not made to be a defensive powerhouse, you know. It's just not. I think Manchester City is really going to destroy them. I, I just don't see it going well. What were you saying? I think, I think that might be the tie of the round because I think Dortmund aren't great defensively. They're not set up defensively. Their midfield's going to struggle against City. I really think it is. And it goes either one of it goes one of either two ways. It's going to be both legs are going to be like 2 all, 3 all, whatever it is. Yeah. City <laughs> are going to hammer them. But 
I think the simple fact is the the system that they're going to play, that Dortmund are going to play, might be similar in a sense to how United play them. Mm-hmm. And they've got pacey wingers. They've got the likes of Royce, whether you play him as a 10 or a winger, might be dependent on this game. But Haaland getting in behind and John Stones and Ruben Diaz haven't played anybody like Haaland. Somebody who's quick, who's just going to bust the gut. Like, let's be honest, in the Premier League, name me a single striker that even remotely similar style. There's not one. Not one person that actively wants to do anything to score a goal. Because Harry Kane's not that yeah. type of player. He's a more... He's the only one I can think of. Yeah. yeah, he's a goal scorer, but he's not that player where Erling Haaland is going to do everything he can to get there yeah. and mm-hmm. to get a goal. And City haven't, City haven't faced that. You know, and every time they have recently, whether it be Salah, Mane, um, or the Champions League, the, the last few seasons, or even the likes of playing Rashford, Marshall. Yeah, like yeah. Marshall bossed him. Bossed him because he just knew what he needed to do. And Haaland knows what he needs to do. And Haaland's going to do everything he can to score. And I think if you get him in behind or running at them two, I think they could be in serious trouble. And I think your problem is going to be with City. Is a Pep Guardiola. This might be the moment where he goes full ego and goes, I'll do something clever because I need to stop Haaland. And he's going to overthink it. And he's going to balls everything up. And he'll I don't play like know. a five at the back or something. Yeah, he'll do something stupid. He'll play. He'll go to three at the back and play wing backs, yeah. and they'll they'll somewhere in there. They'll just he'll just overthink it because he wants to get Haaland under control, and I think that's going to be the biggest turning point because realistically, that Dortmund defense said he could just stand in front of them and just hammer them down until they score two or three. Because once yeah. they score once, they'll score more. But I genuinely yeah. think that could be. I think that could be the tie of the round because I think it's going to be. It's going to be high scoring either way. It'll be City walking it, or it'll be a tight, well, not a tight draw, but you know, a free all or something because they'll just keep banging goals in left, right, and centre. Yeah. And then Dortmund will go through and away goals or something like that. Yeah, uh, it'll be Pep Guardiola yeah. overthinking it and playing freaking the Port Stones and Ruben Diaz. I was thinking walk, Walker by centre back. I guess I get. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God. No, I can't wait. Cannot wait. When are, when are the dates for the for the ties? They are on the sixth of April. Yeah, sixth of April. Oh, it's my birthday. Um, yeah, dude. Sixth of April and seventh of April. Sixth of yeah. April is Real Madrid, Liverpool, Man City, Dortmund, and then the seventh of April is Bayern, Paris, and Porto versus Chelsea. What a day that will be! What a day that what will a day. be! I'm excited for it. Do we have anything else we want to say about Champions League? No, I think that I think we're good. I, I'm very excited. That's all I can really say. To be honest with you, JB. Yeah, I'm pretty excited too. Um, so I guess I guess that's kind of it for right now. And then we'll I guess yeah for everybody. Oh, Sam, do you want to say anything else before we do the 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 end off thing? You want to say no. anything to the listeners? No, no, I'm good. <laughs> uh, for everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I'm so sorry uh, I'm, if I seem super exhausted, by the way, you guys. I'm just like, I haven't slept. I'm so freaking dead. And I hope that you guys couldn't tell when you were listening. But I'm just super stoked about the Champions League. And uh, I think it's going to be a great time. So uh, for everyone listening, thank you so much. We are going to have some episodes coming out this week. And we're going to record one uh, midweek, too, hopefully, with, with uh, Konzo, right? Yeah. Yeah. Badass. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody. Have a great week. Awesome.